chapter 20. The next morning, when it seemed like no one was watching, the Yurk tried again. He morphed into an ant. He got three feet before running into a group of ants from a different colony. About 40 of them attacked. They were ripping the ant body apart when the Yurk demorphed and returned to human form. This is a savage planet, he said. We will tame this world when we take over. But I don't think even he believed it anymore. It was around 9 in the morning on Saturday that the Yurk first took over my body and brain. By Monday evening, when the sun went down, he was growing distracted, unable to concentrate clearly. By the time the moon rose in a newly clear starry sky, he was weak with hunger. His slug body cried out for Kandronan rays the way a human would cry out for food or water. I could feel his arrogance evaporate. I could feel his despair. He still had fantasies of being rescued, but he couldn't make those fantasies end very well. Even if he was rescued, he would no longer be the big hero who had destroyed the Animorphs. He would try to think of clever ways to outwit my friends, but he could never be sure who was in the woods around us, or what form they might have taken. He tried to take on a bird shape again, reforming the Paragon Falcon. The DNA had not been affected by the injuries Cassie had caused to the earlier morph, of course. The Falcon was fine, but it was daylight this time, and Tobias landed while the Falcon was still half-morphed. He grabbed the falcon head in his talon and simply explained that if the Yurk did not demorph, he would be killed. For the first time, the Yurk broke his silence with the others and spoke as a Yurk. If you kill me, you'll kill your friend as well, he warned. Yes, Tobias said. I know. You won't do it. Right from the start, we have all said the same thing. Better to die than be a controller. Tobias said. But in any case, I don't need to kill you. I can simply pull your eyes out. A blind falcon doesn't fly far. The Yurk surrendered and demorphed. We waited as the minutes and hours of the night ticked away. He still hoped for a miracle to save him, but his hunger was a terrible thing, growing with every second. You think you'll win, he sneered at me. You won't win. Your people are blind to what is happening, and the Andalites will not return in time. Maybe, but you won't be there to see it, I said. It must be four in the morning. Five hours left. Tick-tock. You're a cruel little human, aren't you? I don't think so, no. You know that I am dying, and you laugh at me. What do you expect? Pity? He laughed. No, we don't offer pity, and we don't expect pity. We are the masters of the galaxy, conquerors of the hork Bajir, and... Yeah, yeah, I know. The mighty Yurk Empire. After that, he said nothing to me for a while. It was impossible to sleep. He sat with my eyes open. He was too hungry to rest. The hunger infiltrated his mind. It twisted his thoughts. The Yurk homeworld is such a simpler place than this planet. Simple and elegant. No more than a hundred animal species. What do you have on Earth? A million species? More? What does a planet need with a million species? I didn't answer. His time was running out. Let him talk. 
We Yerks evolved as parasites, not predators. Unlike you humans, we did not kill to eat. We were peaceful. We took many different species as our hosts. And as they evolved, so did we. Over time, the Geds evolved. They were sort of... like a monkey, I suppose. We were in the Geds till the Andalites first came. Some of our people still have nothing better than Geds for hosts. What about the Andalites? I asked. What happened when they came to your world? Of course. The Andalite has not told you their story, has he? What a pity. It is such a fine story. Ask your pet Andalite Axe sometime. Ask him about the story of the Andalites and the Yurks. Maybe I will, I said. I hoped the Yurk would keep talking, but he fell silent. The hours passed. An owl left and was replaced by another. The moon went down. Dawn was coming. I could feel it. Yes, the Yurk said, having read my thoughts. Dawn, just a few hours left. Ah! He cried out in silent pain. The fugue. It begins. The fugue? The final hours. You will not enjoy it, although you may learn a great deal, human. You may learn more than you want to- Ah! I was watching his pain from far away. I was an observer, close enough to know what he was feeling, but feeling none of it myself. At first, it was wave after wave of pain, starvation and death by thirst, all rolled into one agony. The sun came up. Cassie stepped into the shack from the woods outside. She looked at me and nodded. It's happening, isn't it? I wanted to answer, but even now, my voice was not my own. Cassie came and sat down beside me. Beside us. Axe says this part is pretty rough. Just remember, when it's all over, I'll be here. She slipped her hand into my hand. I could feel it. So could the yerk. But he did not reject this small bit of comfort, even though it was intended for me and not him. His mind was deteriorating. His thoughts were becoming more visible to me, like a movie that kept drifting in and out of focus. I saw images from a strange place, as seen through strange eyes. Liquid all around, shapes like squids shooting through the liquid. Yurks, swimming in the yurk pool, soaking up Kendrona rays. And there were images of the first host, a ged. So, I thought, that's what a ged looks like. I had seen a few aboard the Yurk mothership, but had not known what they were. They were humanoid, short and stooped, with webbed feet and three clumsy fingers. I saw the world as the Yurk had seen it, through Ged eyes. The vision was dim. The hearing was better. The Yurk had been excited at getting his first host. He had subdued the Ged mind with ruthless ease, crushing it with his superior intelligence and will. The memory made me sick. The Ged's bewilderment, his fear, and the Yurk's fierce arrogance. I turned my attention away from the memory and back to the world around me. To my surprise, I noticed that my arms were shaking. My legs were shaking. Cassie had put her arm around my shoulders. Jake, if you can hear me, it's almost eight. One hour to go, Jake. The Yurk in your head is dying. Yes, I wanted to say. He is. Chapter 21
The Fugue. The final hours of the Yerk's life. I was watching him die. A lot has happened to me since I first saw the Andalite Prince land in the construction site. More strange things than happened to most people in their entire lives. But the strangest was this. And the saddest. The Yurt cried in pain, again and again. And the visions came floating up, crystal clear, as if they had just happened. Visions of the good times in the Yurk's life. And of the bad times. The emotions were strange. Alien. I guess that's the word for them. There was no memory of love. I guess Yurks don't do love. But there was affection. Pride. Fear. Regret. Those I could understand. And along with the Yurks' own memories, I began to see the minds of his hosts. The Ged who had a name no human could hope to pronounce. The hork warrior who had fought the Yurk in his head every day of his life. The hork who had been forced to attack his own kind, to destroy his friends as an unwilling slave of the Yurks. But it was more than just memories. It was more. The Yurk had carried with him some small part of that hork warrior's being. Like a computer transferring a document onto a floppy disk, I realized. Part of the Ged and part of the hork had been transferred permanently to the Yurk. And to my shock, I knew that those parts were now being transferred to me. And then, the memories I feared most. Tom. He had joined the sharing for a simple, silly reason. A girl he liked was a member. He had wanted to get close to her. He had gone to the meetings. He'd played along with them, never guessing the truth. All he had cared about was the girl. He had stumbled, accidentally, into a secret leadership meeting. He thought the girl was seeing another boy, but she was one of them. He had followed her, wandered into the meeting, and seen Visser 3. Visser 3 in his Andalite body. I saw the controllers grab a yelling, punching, kicking Tom. I saw as they tied him up, carried him through secret passageways to the great underground yerk pool. I saw him scream as he realized what was happening. I felt his fear. I felt his rage as the yerk slug crawled into his ear and wrapped itself around his brain. I felt every ounce of his despair. And like the Ged and the hork this human, my brother, became part of me. The yerk was no longer in pain. It was beyond pain. I opened my eyes and looked at Cassie. It happened so naturally. I opened my eyes, by my own will. I don't know how she knew, but I guess she did. She nodded slightly and met my gaze. For the first time in more than an hour, the Yurk spoke. So, you win, human. The Yurk shuddered. I could feel it, a physical spasm. My vision changed. I felt... It's hard to describe. I felt as if I were seeing through things, into things, like I could see the front and back and top and bottom and inside of everything all at once. And then I saw it. A creature. Or a machine. Some combination of both. It had no arms. It sat still, as if unable to move, on a throne that was miles high. Its head was a single eye. The eye turned slowly, left, 
Right. I trembled. I prayed it would not look my way. And then it saw me. The eye, the blood-red eye, looked straight at me. It saw me. It saw me. No, no! I cried in silent terror. I looked away. And when I opened my eyes again, all I saw was a weird glow. The glow faded, little by little. I was trembling. It's over, Jake, Cassie said. I rose slowly to my feet. I moved my own legs. I was in control of myself again. I looked down on the wooden floor of the shack. A gray slug, not six inches long, lay there. Still. As we watched, it withered and shriveled and became nothing. Chapter 22 Jake, are you alright, sweetheart? My mom asked me that night at dinner. I looked up. I'd been staring at my food, I realized. Something with pasta and tuna fish. What? I asked. My mom and dad exchanged one of their worried parent looks. Well, you're not eating. Don't you like it? I shrugged. Sorry, it's fine. I was just... distracted. My dad nodded. It's a bit of a change from the last two nights. You've been eating like you were trying to eat everything in the house. I was? Tom cocked an eyebrow at me. What? Now you're going to pretend it didn't happen? Last night you sat here and ate six pieces of chicken and kept yapping about how great it was. Then you ate a pie. A pie which was supposed to be for the four of us. I hid a smile. Of course. Axe. The Andalite had played me for three days, two hours at a time. Axe was dangerous around food. The sense of taste was still totally amazing to him. When he was still in human morph, you didn't want to get between him and a bar of chocolate. Or a pie, I guess. You were a total pig, Tom said. Chicken, corn, potatoes. And you kept saying, potatoes, toes, potatoes. I thought you'd gone nuts. And were you suspicious, Yurk? I thought, looking at my brother. A new Yurk was in Tom's head. Another arrogant master of the galaxy. My brother was trapped in a small corner of his own mind, able to see and feel, but powerless to do a thing. I knew. I didn't sleep much that night. I did not want the dreams to come. I feared terrible nightmares of the eye, the eye that had stared at me from a different universe. But the only dream that came was a familiar one. I was the tiger. My brother was the prey. But in the end, I was my brother, and he was me. On the news that night, there was a small report on the closing of the new hospital. There was no explanation, but I knew what had happened. The Yurks knew their plan was blown. They understood that we knew about it. We had hurt them pretty badly. But I knew better than to celebrate. Fisser 3 would be more determined than ever to stop us. The next day, I did something stupid. At least, Marco kept telling me it was stupid. But he didn't object very much. He understood. We all met at Cassie's barn, and I used her dad's cell phone to call Tom at home. I went partly into a wolf morph before I did. Just enough to make the smallest changes. Enough to change the shape of my mouth and tongue and throat, so that my voice would sound very different. 
He picked it up on the third ring. Yeah? I have a message, I said in a thick, twisted voice that did not sound at all like me. What? Tom asked. Don't give up, Tom. Don't ever give up. I hung up before he could say anything. Do you think Tom, the real Tom, heard it? Rachel asked. He heard, I answered. I wondered if he would have the strength to hold on. But I knew the answer. See, a part of my brother was in my own mind now, along with the echoes of a long-dead hork and a simple ged. And yes, even a bit of a yerk with dreams of glory. Marco smiled his sardonic smile. And is it true? Will we win? This is a very complicated planet, Marco. That's what I hear anyway. And it's a very strange universe. Anything could happen. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. It's your host, Daniel. Sorry if there's maybe some like weird background noise in this outro. My roommate is doing laundry, and the washing machine is right next to my room. But we will press forward. I got a message on Tumblr from Steph, who wrote... You're doing the Lord's work. Two thumbs up, friend. Thank you, Steph. I appreciate that. Nothing else to really say. We uh, we finished book six. It's done. We did it. I'll get that uh, super cut up and posted later this week, hopefully. Uh, we'll see. I always say that I always manage it, but, uh, you know, first time for everything. So we're starting book eight next week. And then it's finally time. For Megamorphs number one, I think. I'm 99% sure it comes after uh, this this next book. So strap yourselves in for that one. It's, uh, I think, is this a time travel one? I don't know. The Megamorphs are kind of weird, but they're big and juicy and we'll have fun. We'll have fun when we get there. Anyway, if you liked what you heard... You can hear more at audiomorphs.podbean.com or by searching Audiomorphs on iTunes. You might have heard a Facebook notification there. I'm too lazy to redo that one, so sorry. If you're on iTunes, give me a review. I like those. If you'd like to contact me, you can do that at audiomorphscast.tumblr.com or audiomorphscast at gmail.com. That is all I have for you this week, so I will see you next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight 